Welcome to We're All Mad Here, a podcast aimed at dismantling the stigma surrounding mental health conditions, opening a discussion, and facilitating understanding one story at a time. Today, I'm joined by Caitlin. Caitlin is a mental health worker delivering rehab programs to inmates within the prison system. She has experienced significant mental health issues of her own due to the heavy emotional stress of her job. She speaks to us today about how her clients are let down by the system and how offending doesn't happen in a vacuum. She'll also talk about how carers and those in helping professions such as teaching, medicine and mental health can end up burning out because of the high level of empathy required to do their jobs. She'll share what helped her during her worst times and offer a message of solidarity. Enjoy. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no worries, Geneva. So you're a mental health uh, worker delivering rehab programs to male inmates within the prison system. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a bit about what a day in your job consists of? So in the morning, I would run like a two and a half hour course in the prison. I take in everything that I need each day and I take it out again when I'm finished. I would have 10 participants in my course and I would usually have a co-therapist if I had that many in my group. Afterwards, I would debrief with my co-therapist and we'd pack up. Um, And then when we get back to the office, we would make notes about each participant and kind of how things they said might evidence their rehab needs. Um, And then in the afternoon, we might, uh, we would have practice supervision for an hour or we might need to go back into the prison to deliver some feedback or another program. Yeah, and plan for the next day's session. You usually would deliver four days a week. So you usually have one day in the office where you can kind of catch up on any backlog of paperwork, which there always is some. And I guess while we're in the program, we need to be doing a lot of things. So we need to observe the group and we need to note their interactions with each other. Uh, We especially need to watch out for any tension that might escalate and we have little alarms that we can press if we need assistance. Uh, You're kind of performing, so you have to maintain a non-judgmental attitude, um, which can be easy or it can be really difficult depending on what a participant's offending is. But it's really important for the therapy that we maintain an attitude of unconditional positive regard, um, no matter what their personality or what their offending was. Can you go into some more detail about the types of intervention programs that you deliver to your inmates? Yeah, we base our programs on cognitive behavioural therapy, um, which is the theory that thoughts and feelings influence behaviour and that thoughts and feelings can be controlled, and so then you can control your behaviour. So we And we have a look at a lot of things, so we'd have a look at distress tolerance, communication, relationships, substance use, um, and we have specialised programs that can target the rehab needs of a specific group of people like youth or women or family violence offenders. So what sort of crimes are the most common amongst the people that you work with? Probably drugs and violence. So... Um, most of the violence that you would see would be family violence and quite a bit of drug dealing. How did you first get into doing this work? Was working in mental health always something you wanted to do? 
Well, I studied psychology, so I always had an interest in it. And I did want to work on the front line of mental health and social justice for a while because I was thinking I might go into academia. Um, but I didn't, I never considered the prison system. And I began in this job because I met someone um, who did it and she talked me into applying. Do you consider your job to be a high stress job? Yeah, I do. Um, when you're in the role of a therapist, you kind of take on other people's stories and other people's pain a lot of the time and you carry that with you. So a big part of the job is being able to leave that stuff at work. But that's uh, that's one of those things I think that's always easier said than done. And it can be really hard to manage the internal conflicts that come up. So you might have a participant who you really like but who actually really hurt someone in the past and you have to not think about that. Or you might have to run therapy and be talking about, you know, consequences with someone who you actually think was just let down by the system. Um, So that makes it stressful. You say you have to just not think about it if you have someone that you really like who's committed an act of violence. How do you do that mentally and emotionally? What skills do you need to be able to do that? Uh, Well, I would say that you have to do it whether you like them or not. So maybe it's actually easier when you like the person because we do have to maintain that unconditional positive regard. You can't think about the victims too much. You have to see the people who are sitting in front of you as victims themselves. How do you do that? What, What do you believe that they are victims of? Well, a lot of them... Um, have had really extreme life circumstances. A lot of offending doesn't really take place in a vacuum. There's a lot of stuff uh, that plays into it. And yeah, so kind of understanding their behaviours or their attitudes as something that they've grown up with and that they can't necessarily control really helps. Yeah, so it sounds like you need to exercise a lot of empathy on a regular basis as well as being quite aware of your own internal biases. Have you encountered any consequences in terms of this sort of emotional stress on your own mental health? Yep. Um, So I think that it puts a lot of strain on you. I think that what you said summed it up really well and that can be really draining. You're kind of, um, like I said, you're kind of performing every day and... It can get really, it can get really tiring. So last year I ran a program that was really difficult. So it was quite a high energy group. So I kind of felt a little bit like a teacher actually, um, which isn't what I would like to be doing. And this particular group had a lot of anti-women views, um, and my co-therapist was a man, and the group really liked him. Um, so it got really exhausting. And then I think that because we were in a bit of a sensitive space when we did go through the group's offending, uh, that was a bit traumatising for me because I was already in a sensitive space. So that was a time where I really empathised with their victims. Yes, I ended up getting, I ended up feeling quite trapped in the program. You're not supposed to take sick days, I suppose, because uh, they can't run the group if you're not there. So, you know, your participants get quite upset because prison's really boring and you shouldn't mess with their routine. 
So sometimes it's just easier to just not take any sick days. Uh, so you can feel really trapped and I got really depressed. And I don't know what you're like if you're depressed, <laughs> but I get really, really irritable. Um, and so my manager noticed my change attitude and suggested that I leave the program. Uh, and at first I said no, because I didn't want to feel like I was letting down my group. And then a couple of weeks later, he suggested it again and I agreed. Carers and helping professionals, including nurses, teachers, mental health professionals, etc., often have quite high rates of suicide within those professions. Do you have any insights into this? I don't uh, specifically, but I also don't find it surprising. I think that when you really, the kinds of people who are doing those jobs, they really care about their clients and you want the best outcome possible for your clients. Um, and when that doesn't happen, you can really internalize that. So, um, you know, I would imagine that there are teachers who, you know, their kids just never quite understand it or it keeps getting undone every time they go back on the holidays. It's the same for me, you know, you don't really know whether you're having a positive impact or not. And yeah, so that sense of, really wanting something and really wanting to help, but constantly failing, I think is common. In your job personally, what are the factors that you find most stressful? I think maintaining those boundaries uh, as a care professional um, and as a therapist, sometimes you really uh, can just see that someone needs more support, more intensive support, but it's not your role to give it to them. Uh, so that's where you have to refer them on and kind of hope that they do get picked up by the rest of the system and they don't fall through the cracks. And yeah, I think the just the, uh, the pressure to provide the best rehab that you possibly can um, and to not bring your own feelings and things into it, you know, like that can be uh, quite stressful, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's the kind of stress you notice at the time. You tend to notice it later when you're not doing it. You mentioned that you encountered a period of depression uh, after a particularly difficult time at work. So during this more difficult time, what are some of the ways that you cared for yourself or tried to mitigate the stress that you were encountering? Well, probably a fairly unproductive way that I tried to mitigate it was I started avoiding work. Um, so there would have been a rise in absenteeism for me, uh, which I think is part of what my manager noticed um, before he approached me. And then I think in the end, I just kind of acknowledged that I was really struggling and that you can't provide good therapy if you're struggling. So uh, I withdrew from that. Um, program and I took a few days off and probably the best thing that I did was that I told the rest of my team so I have a team of about 25 and they were really supportive when I got back to work um, they were saying things like I'm you know good on you for taking the time off good on you for leaving the group you know good on you for doing what you needed to do um, so those things were really helpful 
There is a lot of pressure in our society to push ourselves until the point of burnout, and it sounds like you reached that point. Is there is there anything that you wish you had done or wish you hadn't done during those times? I kind of wish it didn't need to become so extreme before you could leave thing that was causing you stress. Um, you know, it built up for a long time um, until I really was burned out. And I think that's something that you kind of see a lot um, in the mental health space is people taking really extreme measures rather than being able to say, like, this doesn't suit me. Um, and it's one of those things that's still a journey for me. So, you know, having said that, I now have to ask myself, is this the right job for me? Do you have any resources or advice that might be helpful for other carers or people in helping professions who are feeling this sense of burnout that you've described? Um, I guess, you know, don't be afraid to take a break. Um, even if you take if you take time off work or you change careers for a little while, that's not the end of the world. Um, and you can't, it's really hard because, you know, people in these kinds of jobs, they really care. Um, and, and we know that people get left behind by the system all the time, you know, so it's a really hard thing to do. Um, but you can't help someone uh, if you're not in a position to help yourself, really. So these... You know, so giving yourself the time to kind of get better and things like that or take a break um, and do something that's a little bit less emotionally draining um, is probably what I would recommend there. Are there any um, things that you did for yourself during this time uh, that might help someone who perhaps can't leave their job or can't leave their caring role, such as someone caring for a child or for a relative with a major illness. Do you do you have any experience with um, with things that helped you uh, outside of taking time off work? Uh, yep, talking to people about it, and I took medication, and I still do. And I think that there's a lot of bad press about antidepressants because I don't know people think they numb them or something. But for me, it just improved my baseline and it helps me function. So, um, yeah, I would say talk to your doctor about whether or not antidepressants are an option for you, if if that's where you were at, yeah. Yeah, so don't be afraid to explore all your options with that kind of thing. Yeah, I think there's a real attitude that you have to overcome things with your own strength of will. Um, but, you know, if the chemicals in your brain aren't right, then you can't do that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for coming and talking to us um, about your experiences. I'm sure they will make a lot of people in these professions feel less alone with what they're going through. And I hope that you've enjoyed being on the podcast. I have. Thank you, Geneva. No worries. Bye. See ya.